Hey there, go-getters. You are turned into another episode of Direct Response Secrets, and I'm your host, Zachary J. Radford. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, you're throwing out a wide net, you are working around the clock, but you're not reeling in enough big fish. I know what that feels like. It's like trekking up a steep mountain with a boulder strapped to your back. Uh, and it doesn't feel good, does it? And I know that feeling very well because you're not alone. Uh, we've all been there uh, navigating through the rough terrains of business and marketing, trying to find that elusive success. But what if I told you the secret isn't about casting a wider net, but rather it's about making it more selective or more focused? That's right. On today's episode, I'm going to be diving deep into the heart of finding the perfect audience. Uh, we're going to be talking about the power of focus, the importance of knowing your audience, and how to uh, position yourself to skyrocket your sales and your marketing efforts. We're going to be sharing tips and strategies, success stories, and trust me, you're not going to want to miss this journey. Uh, stay tuned as we unlock the power of niche marketing together. And hey, if you're loving these episodes and you're finding value, feel free to subscribe or refer this to a colleague or somebody else that would get some value from this. All right, let's get into it. Let's go. Welcome back. Welcome back. Now, I want to jump right into it. Over the last, uh, if we flash back, let's say, oh, five, six, seven years ago, uh, you could picture me. I was, I was the entrepreneurial dreamer. I was filled with ambition. I was diving into the agency world for my third time. And my strategy was, um, you could say, a little bit flawed, but I, I thought I was ready for it. I thought I would go big and target all entrepreneurs. Everybody needs ads, right? Uh, and I'd watch the success roll in. And uh, it was a sound plan, uh, or so I thought. But as it turns out, life has a wicked sense of humor. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever dreamed or were passionate about something and you kept going for it and it's literally felt like sand slipping through your fingers? Well, that's where I was living for about two years when I was trying to build uh, my third agency. I was putting my heart and soul into this project, working the late nights, uh, putting all the energy, all the calls, even three o'clock in the morning, uh, emails and texts, like I, I was all in. And the problem was, is I was just scraping by. Here's the kicker. Uh, a wise mentor kind of swooped in and uh, I, I joined his program and he had some wise word of advice for me and it kind of hit me like a lightning bolt. And he's like, don't cast such a wide, uh, a wide net. Find a niche and go deep. And I thought to myself, well, that might be risky. Uh, it might be a bit of a gamble because what if all these other entrepreneurs all of a sudden started working with me? Regardless of how that felt internally to me, at that time, I thought that was a terrible idea. But I paid this guy a lot of money. I wanted to listen to him. So I went ahead and did that. And I zeroed in on e-commerce brands and boom, almost like clockwork, uh, I started to see some success through my business. It, it was amazing. I realized the real villain uh, was not the marketplace. It was not competition. All these things that I was blaming, it was a lack of focus. 
I was in the search uh, for the needle in the haystack when all along I should have been weaving my own tapestry. That's right. I should have been focusing on serving a smaller market. It makes everything 10 times better. And as uh, the famous Bruce Lee says, a successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And as Zig Ziglar says, a lack of direction, it's a lack of direction, not a lack of time is the problem. We all have 24 hours in the day. And or as I like to say, know your crowd, make your message loud and stand successful and proud. Now, I'm talking about finding your message. And today we're going to be going digging deep in learning how to find the perfect audience for you to go after. And I've come up with this little uh, diagram. If you have the newsletter, you can see it. But essentially, I'm going to be, uh, I'm calling it the perfect audience, how to find the perfect audience. Now, this isn't the actual process of finding the perfect audience. This is a mental exercise that you can go through and, and really try to understand where your audience is, what they're working on, uh, what their thought processes are, and kind of how to tap into that and kind of more than anything, like exclude audiences that won't make sense for you. So we have your your TAM or your total addressable market. That's the big circle. Within that, there's three smaller circles. There's belief, desire, and problem. The, the belief is uh, essentially what are their limiting beliefs preventing the market from solving the problems, uh, the problems themselves. We have uh, the desire, which is are they leveraging an existing desire? Are we creating new desire um, and understanding where that desire lies? And are we solving a problem that the market even wants to have solved? Now, with inside those three circles, there's three more ideas. There's self, there's pay, and then there's product. So what self is essentially is, uh, to kind of just summarize it, is like, can they do this on them on their own? Do they believe they actually need help? If they don't, they're going to have issues. Um, are they willing to pay? Pay stands for are they willing to pay to solve the problem? And then product is do they believe that your product is the answer? And if yes, then it makes sense for them to come and buy. And if not, you should be positioning your product. And once you have a uh, problem, desire, and belief, and they're willing to, they believe that they need help with this issue um, or they need to buy something um, and they believe that your product can do it and they're willing to pay you, boom, that's your sweet spot. So that's kind of how I like to look at it and I have it all written out in the newsletter so you can kind of pull from it easier and a picture speaks a thousand words so you're able to look at it to identify that uh, a lot cleaner and smoother. So now let's talk about that's all fine and well. You're like, Zach, that's that's amazing. I absolutely love that. I think that makes uh, total sense. But it's like one like oh, a way to look at this is finding the perfect audience. You're almost like a sculptor with a chisel. You are chiseling away the excess marble to reveal the masterpiece within. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're taking away all of these things that we don't need or that we don't wanna to sell to and find that perfect little piece of the market. And uh, that kind of sums that, that process up. So let's talk about total addressable market, what that is. So your, your TAM is called your total addressable market. Essentially, that is the size of your market that you're gonna be going after. 
And I have a step-by-step -step process here for you to kind of identify your TAM. And we're gonna take it further by identifying a sub-market, but we've also gone through that process, that mental exercise to finding the perfect audience. So we, we've asked ourselves the right questions to kind of, to be in a position to be like, okay, we have a general idea of who TAM is, and this is kind of how we find it. It's like we define your product and service offering. What problem do you solve? What need does it fulfill? Uh, step two, identify your ideal customer who benefits from your product or service. Just like who can benefit? And this is where it gets tricky because a lot of products and a lot of services can service a lot of different people. Like let's say if you're an agency and you run ads, well, pretty much every business on the planet can benefit from ads in some way or another. This is why identifying the the perfect market for you and kind of chiseling away everything that doesn't make sense. And this, you have to take your um, your your thoughts and your heart and your beliefs into this consideration as well. Because who do you want to serve? You don't want to help uh, run ads for people that don't want to do business with you. You really like, uh, in the intro, I was talking about like, we went after e-commerce. Well, not all e-commerce is created equal. We have drop shippers in there. We have high ticket e-commerce. We have low ticket e-commerce. Like we have food, we have different industries. We have all these different sub segments with inside of e-commerce. So yes, I was speaking to, I wasn't trying to run ads for all entrepreneurs. I, I was speaking to, um, going after e-commerce businesses, but there's still sub niches within there that you could even go even further. And there could be tens of thousands of businesses that you could be the go-to source uh, and to do that. All right, sorry, that was a bit of a rant. Step number three, you want to try to estimate the number of your ideal uh, clients in, in the market. So this involves, just do a Google search or you can use like ChatGTP to kind of pull this information up. And you wanna to try to calculate what is the estimated uh, value or uh, what they're calling average revenue per user, uh, your ARPU to identify what somebody's gonna be worth to you. Uh, another way of saying this is your LTV. What does the LTV look like in for each customer? And then you can get an idea of your TAM. Your TAM is the number of how much money is sitting out there hypothetically for you to tap into. Now, the next step is selecting a sub-market. How we do that is we wanna be able to, uh, and I think I did a good job of highlighting why we need to do that, uh, if not, just know that if you have X amount of advertising dollars, you can only advertise to so many people. You can't go out for everybody. You're not one of these like Procter and Gamble's or Coca-Cola where you can spend tens and hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising to reach the entire planet. So you really need to think about that and your messaging needs to be dialed into the submarket. Your advertising budget needs to be dialed in. Uh, all those things need to be dialed in. Your offer needs to be dialed in for these people because they won't uh, pay attention otherwise. So how we go about doing this is step one, we wanna identify uh, the large market. So in, in my case, it was entrepreneurs. And then we want to really break down uh, a sub-segment and that can be based off of geo, demo, or behavior. Um, and in my instance, it was uh, industry. So I was like, e-commerce business uh, is different than like a SaaS business, which is different than like online coaching and all, all these other uh, pools or markets of people 
I was able to identify that e-commerce was on the rise and if I was able to provide a return for these individuals, they would pay me for my service and it was 100% on point and we made a ton of cash. Uh, step number three, analyze each segment uh, to really identify the size, profitability, competition. So don't chimp on this part. Like if you're really, even if you're an existing business and you're finding like every sale you're, you're fighting tooth and nail for, look at who you're serving. There, you can just take your exact offer, your exact website, your exact funnel, your exact, all your stuff, all your marketing, all your business, all your delivery doesn't even change and just bring it down a step. Go niche down a little bit more and then you're the expert in that sub niche and you can dominate. Um, I, I know it works because I did it and it works phenomenal. Uh, number four, you want to choose the most attractive segments as your sub market. That goes without, uh, without saying ones that look the best people that have money. Again, go back up to that mental exercise and think about it. Do they believe that they, they have a problem? Uh, do they have a problem? Do they believe that you can help them solve it? And is there an existing desire there that you can tap into? If so, you got yourself a beautiful market you want to go for it. So this, uh, the next one comes out of literally just being in the trenches for as long as I have building as many businesses as I have is that you need to set something that I like to call client values. Now, what is a client value? You're like, Zach, what are you talking about? You're talking about markets, client values. What is this? Well, a client value is, values is essentially like a list of rules that I like to hold up against every single client and every single customer that I work with. Why do I do this? Well, not all customers or clients are created equal. You're gonna find that 80% of your business comes from a very small percentage. And I don't know if you've ever read the 80-20 rule or the 80-20 principle. It applies to your business, it applies to life. When we were running the agency, we had two clients that were like 90% of the revenue. We worked on growing that and, and all different types of stuff. It didn't end up working out for us at that time. But at the same time, I treated those two clients a lot different than I would treat somebody who's, you know, um, taking up all my time and paying very little resources. There's that funny meme that that's going around. Uh, I see it quite often on Facebook and on Twitter where someone's like uh, a $500 client and essentially is like, okay, together you're going to, you know, you're going to work really hard and change my life for me. And then the $50,000 clients like signed, <laughs> like they just give you the money because they trust that you're going to give them the result that they're after and they don't need to be on you. So identifying who, what you're looking for may be another way of really breaking that down a little bit. So you want to step one, identify your ideal client profile. Uh, step two, you want to identify the key value indicators. What are some things that they're doing, like the size of their business? Um, what makes them a great client? You want to think about those. And then number three, you want to set expectations. This is just good. Uh, every time we sign a new client at the agency, we said, this is our service time. We're nine to five. And if you like, let's say you have a message and you put it in at nine o'clock at night, we will get it the next day by noon. Like that was our deal. So, but if we didn't set expectations with clients, they will literally send whenever. And then once the expectation is set, you're going to have to go back and reset it. So what I like to do in my business is set expectations and then kind of push that forward and say, this is what you can expect from us as far as service is concerned. And uh, know that we'll get back to you and help you as soon as uh, humanly possible. 
prioritize potential clients. Again, I mentioned not all clients are created equal. Some that have, for example, someone could have a budget of a million dollars versus someone who has a budget of $3,000. I'm not saying don't service the $3,000 client if you want. If you if you want to, great. If not, it's all good. But I mean, the person with the million dollar budget does get the lion's share of your attention and as they should. And funny enough, they will end up taking up less of your resources, especially if you're producing results for them. I find those smaller clients will take up all your time and energy and because they're needy, they're trying to figure out what's working. And when you have a successful business that's already working, you can literally just get in there, help them amplify it and grow their business. Uh, and step number five is we just want to review and refine. We want to make sure that everything makes sense for us. Go over that process and uh, identify who is going to make the, the best client or customer for us. All right. Now, the next step would be uh, crafting a detailed buyer persona. So what we want to try to do, and this, this can be done if you're an insider, you have access to all this information already, uh, and the book's coming out soon, so I'll have all the details in there as well. And I do a good job of laying it out here in the newsletter, but there is more uh, in-depth process to this in uh, kind of a systematic way that you can follow, which I do not fully provide here, but at least I'll give you the context where to get started. So you wanna look at your ideal customers and include their demographics, psychographics, their needs, pain points, and try to understand your audience better so you can then tailor your marketing message towards them. So what does this have to do with building your, uh, identifying your perfect market? Well, if you don't know who they are, you're not gonna be able to craft this, uh, this buyer persona. And this buyer persona, like in my office, I have um, from Ikea, it's like a, it's a wooden dude, and I literally have, hi, I'm Jerry, and I have a whole buyer's persona in who I talk to. So when I'm writing copy, when I'm uh, speaking to my market, when I'm creating content, when I'm doing anything, I'm thinking of Jerry, and I'm thinking about what Jerry wants and how I can help Jerry get to the next level. And so how we do this is we want to, step one, identify common characteristics and behaviors of your ideal customers. Step two, you wanna group these characteristics into personas representing different customer segments. My recommendation is once you find which segment is working best, hone in on that and put your energy in that, in that basket. Number three, flesh out your personas in detail like demographics, psychographics, needs, pain points, motivations, and preferred communication channels. Step four, use these personas to guide your marketing and sales strategies. The next step would be understand your customer's journey. So you really wanna look at how do they go from point A to point B, point B being your customer, point A being cold traffic or somebody who, uh, cold prospect, depending on where your business is, online or offline. So you wanna understand what it takes to get them there. Now, again, in the book I go uh, that I'm in the process of writing, I go really deep into this, and this is kind of a surface level to, to show you how I think about finding the right audience. I wanna make sure that we have a customer journey in place. That makes sense. There's nothing worse than selecting an audience and then we can't figure out how to get them. Like that's that's terrible. We don't wanna do that. <laughs> so we wanna just look at uh, the first step essentially in the customer journey. 
Uh, and what I call in the book, the conversion path is uh, step one is to identify the different stages of the customer's journey, awareness, consideration, and decision. Uh, step two, understand the needs and behaviors and touch points of each stage. And three, develop uh, and tailor, develop tailored uh, messages and strategies for each stage to, gr uh, to gradually guide your customer towards purchasing and beyond. So that, that's something to consider. Uh, something else to consider is uh, cultural considerations. Now, we're in a fast, ever-changing world. Things are changing. People have more freedom than they've ever had to express themselves, and we need to be aware of this. If we are just coming in and like saying whatever it is that we want, we can have huge backlash. I don't know if you saw the, the Bud Light campaigns uh, with the transgendered individuals. Like, that was... That was a, a silly cultural mistake that they made and, and it could have been done by just understanding their target market a little bit better. And in my personal beliefs and thoughts on it is I, you can be whoever you want to be. That's all good. I'm just saying if you're creating your market, you want to make sure that we're speaking to somebody um, and not excluding our core target market in the process. And that's what they did. They alienated their market and that cost them a lot and lot of money. So when you're creating your message and you're thinking about your target audience, think about cultural considerations. Step number one, understand the cultural context of your target market. Number two, beware of uh, respectful, beware and respectful of cultural norms, values, and traditions. Step three, adapt your products and services and marketing to align with those cultural nuances, right? With with the example of the Bud Light, uh, a lot of people that drink Bud Light are apparently, there's not a whole lot of transgender individuals that drink Bud Light due to the giant controversy that happened. And it cost them a ton of money because they thought they could tap into a trend of an emerging market. Uh, by doing that, they excluded their existing market, which uh, in my opinion, uh, wasn't the smartest idea. If you have an existing market, and this is just a rule, if something is working and it's not broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and well, we weren't behind the scenes, so we don't know what, what sales were and all that stuff. But I assume Bud Light was selling well up until that point, And then they had that issue. So you can think about this uh, from different culturals and, and different sexual identities and all different stuff like that. So just be considerate and respectful of people when you're creating your content because you don't want to necessarily say something that's going to isolate, you know, cut off half of the audience. And if you are going to do that, be aware of it and lean into it. That's all I can say. All right. Uh, reachability. And now reachability to me is just, can we get a hold of these people? Like, how, are they on Facebook? Are they on Twitter? Are they in forums? Are they, do they go to events? Do they go to places? Where are they? If we can't uh, identify them, you know, like if we can't reach them, how are we going to sell our products and services to them? So that's something that you need to consider. And there's a lot of times that I would get a client and I'm going to get very excited about it. I'm going to do their marketing. I'm going to help them. And they are literally looking for uh, plant foremans for chicken uh, coop factories in uh, North America. And it's like, well, there's like 19 people there. Like the, the market doesn't even exist. That's like, there's a handful of people that you're trying to target. And if that's the case, if you're coming up to a case where it's like it's too small, you know, again, just bump it up a notch and think about it that way. Just move up one level 
And uh, then you can, instead of targeting chicken, coop manufacturers, you can do manufacturers as a whole. And then if your products and everything still makes sense to them, then boom, you have a new market that you can target and, and absolutely crush it with. So a step-by-step -step process for here is we want to identify uh, networks and platforms uh, to that our target market uses. Are they on LinkedIn? Are they on Facebook, uh, Twitter, niche forums? What softwares do they use? Um, where else are they hanging out? In online, offline, this isn't specific to online because I've seen a lot of successful businesses before the internet was even thought of uh, be very successful by tapping into uh, like a congregation of where people hang out and they congregate. So where does your market congregate? That's a great question. Um, and so you wanna look at that. Uh, step number three, use that information to tailor your market efforts towards that right channel and audience. Boom, all right, we're getting down. We got a couple more. Uh, customer feedback loop. So you wanna prioritize seeking, analyzing, and acting upon feedback from your customers. All right, sidebar, sidebar, little rant. I don't know how many e-commerce businesses don't actually talk to their customers. I'm sure this happens in other industries as well. But this was super prevalent with the clients that I was having. I would literally be like, so what are your clients' biggest pain points? Well, they buy the thing to solve the thing. And I was like, no, no, like what, what's underneath that? Why are they doing what they're doing? Well, I don't know. Well, have, have you talked to them? Crickets, like little crickets. Feedback from your customers is the biggest growth engine. And now there's, there's ways to do that. And I'll, and I'll show you a process here. Uh, to, to implement into your business, but it is crucial to get that feedback. At the end of the day, we're, every business is a service business. Uh, whether you're selling products or services, those products are meant to serve, the services are meant to serve. So if we're not servicing people and understanding, getting feedback, how do we ever improve? And what I found is that a lot, and I mean a lot, like 90 plus percent of businesses that I met we're in like this echo chamber of the CEO was talking to marketing and they were talking to a uh, head of sales and this and that, da, 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 da. but they were not, they were barely talking to the customer. They were being transactional through customer service with them. They were being transactional in the sales call with them. They're being transactional in their marketing. And the only thing I changed was like, hey, let's talk to the customer. And boom, all of a sudden these giant insights would flood in and it's like, oh, I thought of this cool ad campaign or uh, we see like 90% of our, our users really prefer to use YouTube over Facebook. Boom, perfect. And then, so guess what? We start running. We start running YouTube ads. Ah, the business blows up. It's not rocket science and having that built in is absolutely key. All right, sidebar, sidebar over, all right. All right, so how do you do this, Zach? How do you build feedback loops? So step number one is we wanna develop a method to collect feedback such as uh, reviews, surveys, social media, customer service, uh, interactions, sales is a great way. Again, picking up that phone and just calling your customer and asking asking them how they're using their product and what you can improve upon will that's that's very valuable advice. I know it sounds simple, but if you implement that, you will see big changes in your business. Step number two: analyze that feedback for insights. Uh, into customer satisfaction, product and service improvements, and marketing trends. Number three, implement changes based on feedback and uh, communicate these changes back to your customer. This is important. We hear you, 
I understand there's a problem or a better way to do this. Thanks for showing us that. And then go do the thing. But what most people forget to do is go back to the customer and be like, hey, we fixed the thing. So it, it's a loop, it's a feedback loop. So it's constantly evolving, it's constantly changing. If you hear 90% of your customers or even 10% of your customers saying, I wish you took PayPal and then you're like, okay, cool. You put PayPal on your website and then you don't tell anybody about it. Like, what? yeah, your new customers are saying that, but your existing customers aren't. So now you can sit in this a whole like marketing campaign. Now we accept PayPal. Well, 10% of the people that have been in your warm audiences now see that and they're like, awesome. I was waiting to use PayPal with these guys. So let's do that. And boom. And that's how that works. Uh, and again, repeat the process continuously because it's all about ongoing improvements. So the last and final step, uh, let me just verify that. No, oh, yep. So this is the, the last and final step is vetting your market. Vetting your market involves determining whether your target market possesses the ability, <laughs> the, the ability and the willingness to purchase your offerings. You're trying to vet. Are these people ready to buy from you? Do they even want to buy from you? If you go through the uh, initial um, mental exercise, we will. We have already kind of dove into that, but this is just to uh, is a fail safe, so you can come back and have a step by step process on how you would do that. So step number one, again, we want to identify your market, which is we're in the process of doing that. Number two, we want to conduct market research uh, with our our current lists understand things like uh, its its current size, growth potentials, competitive landscapes, all these different things, which we've already covered. Step number three, we wanna validate the market's ability to pay for what we're looking for, which I had already previously mentioned. And number four, we want to uh, evaluate the market's willingness to pay and identify pain points uh, and understand how well our product and services resolve them for them, again, the perfect audience, which I talked about at the very beginning of this episode, will tee that up for you on how to kind of vet a market. So we've been listening up to this point. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Again, I've loved creating this episode for you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, when I'm teaching, I'm learning. So it's like, it's this back and forth where I'm constantly expanding what I'm focusing on. And as I'm writing things and I'm coming back to you guys and, and gals and I'm dropping it here and um, it's just, it's a growing experience for me. So I, I truly appreciate you being here. I truly appreciate you listening. And now let's go with the three big secrets or the big three takeaways from this. Targeting, uh, like the, the master stroke of, of uh, targeting is knowing your, your TAM and, and really identifying a sub-market of that TAM. It's an absolute game changer to narrow down. Remember, if you narrow down too much, you will be in trouble. Your market will be too small. You won't be able to reach them. But if you, you'll find that sweet spot and then you'll have those personas uh, of that sweet spot and then you can really start speaking to those individuals and if you want to get next level like ninja hack is that you can create marketing campaigns for each one of those and marketing journeys for each one of those that doesn't come until you're doing well into the seven figures but that that is the whole process that, that kind of looks like secret number two not all customers are created equal recognize this focus your energy on customers who pack the most punch in terms of value right they're not all created equal we want to make sure that we're serving 
people that want to be served and led um, and who are going to provide the biggest return for our energies and our efforts. And the funny thing is, is the higher you go up and the bigger the budgets are, the easier it gets. The It gets so much easier because they understand what it takes to actually do something and they will value you and your service as a ton more than the $500 Facebook ad client. You know, we've had clients that have paid us in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Those clients I barely meet with. I had trouble getting them into a room. As long as we were performing, they didn't care. Uh, and which we did for ages, for years in some cases, three plus years. And um, we would have some clients that would be paying us our minimum retainer, which is 2,500. And they would literally be emailing five to six times a day and taking up 80% of the bandwidth and providing less than 20% of the resources. So you have to identify that, identify that early. And again, that kind of comes back to the the client values or customer values. Uh, so keep that in mind. And secret number three, uh, it's a non-linear journey. So your customer journey is kind of like a winding road. It's not a straight line. Tailor your strategies uh, to each stage to keep your customer engaged and moving forward. If nothing is perfect, right? There's not like, I'm gonna, they're gonna see this article, then they're going to buy this uh, course, and then they're gonna have this meeting, and then they're gonna buy our agency services or whatever that is, and then our high ticket coaching offer. Like, it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes, uh, and I've seen companies make this mistake a lot too, where they're like, no, no, you have to buy our low ticket stuff and not just our high ticket. Like you'll be in a sales call and if someone's like, yeah, my budget's 50,000, you're like, well, I, I wanna sell you this course that's uh, $97. No, you say, awesome, we can help you. <laughs> Take the 50K, figure it out, build a custom offer for them and uh, use your current systems and processes and, and grow and scale. And everybody has a different budget and everybody has a different mindset. so. Uh, and the way that they come into your company is totally different, but we can at least map it out and have general systems in place for each level of customer and the journey that they're on and try to tailor things to them as much as humanly possible. And guess what? When you show somebody that you care, they start paying. People, people only want to work with people that actually give a shit, believe it or not. Um, I don't know if you've ever been into like a car dealership or anywhere, like just recently, I was in a uh, car dealership here in Prince Edward Island. I was looking at possibly getting a Ford Bronco and we got this old guy named Gilly. His name was, I don't know. I don't know his real name. I was calling him Gilly behind the scenes, but he just didn't even care about what I had to say. He was running around and doing my, like, I didn't even know what I, he disappeared for 30 minutes. I stood there. I didn't see anybody and he came out sweating with the wrong car. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here but you haven't even taken time to qualify me. You don't care what I'm driving or what I'm doing or what my problems are. You're just trying to make the sale. And that sucks. And we just packed up our stuff and we left. So think about uh, your business and your customers and, and how you can care more. All right, I can talk about this for hours and uh, I almost did. We're 30, 30 some odd minutes in here. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Again, I love creating it for you and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.